Welcome friends to Infertility and Me podcast. I hope that you had a fabulous, fabulous Valentine's Day. And you know what? Every day is Valentine's Day. So I hope that you are shown love and support and care every day of the week, every month, every year. Thank you for being here. If you're new to the podcast listening, I'm your host, Monique Baruch, Infertility and Me creator and founder. Thank you for being here. I do not take it for granted that you guys continue to listen week after week, month after month, a little over a year now, almost a year and a half that we've been together. And so I appreciate you getting the podcast to over 20,000 downloads now and just continue to rock with your girl. I, I just I just appreciate you so much. You guys have no idea what it means for me for you to be here to listen to my voice and to listen to the sound of others on similar paths to parenthood, whether it's LGBTQ plus stories, just all the stories that come our way through uh, our paths and unique paths to parenthood. And I just I just appreciate you guys. I just want to say that I appreciate you. And if you haven't already subscribed with the platform that you prefer listening to your podcast on, make sure you do so so that you're immediately notified when new episodes are available and you can stay up to date. And if you'd ever like to be a guest on the podcast, whether that is publicly or anonymously, you can visit the website at infertilityofmepodcast.com. If you would like to submit anonymously to the podcast, make sure you scroll down on the homepage and there's a section for anonymous submissions. And if you would like to submit to be on the podcast publicly, then hit the tab, get in touch and fill out that form. And I'll be in touch with you as soon as I can. You can hit me up on email at infertilityandmeatoutlook.com with questions, comments, feedback, or if you just want to send a letter to the podcast and to me and you have something to say to other infertility friends and I'll read it here on the show. So send me a letter or something, send me a note and I'll feature it on the show and we can just continue to do this thing together because you're not alone, friend. One in eight, so very common now, but it's still so very taboo. And so it is my mission to always and continuously advocate and be a voice for you and be a voice for those who wish to stay private about their journeys. And you're just listening to the podcast. And I appreciate you, friend. Today's episode is with Ms. Ashley Hardy. She had quite a ride to parenthood and motherhood. She has had fibroids removed. She suffered hydrosalpinks and having both of her fallopian tubes removed. And then she also took in a family member's baby who had addiction issues and the baby was born addicted to drugs as well. She'll get in and tell us about that more and later in the episode. And then we also spoke about how she finally conceived through IVF after, you know, a couple of, couple of years of trying to conceive and then taking on a family member's baby with the hope of adopting. That baby is now 19 months and her little baby was born in September of 2020. So she was born during COVID and she tells us all about that in this episode and so much more and she has so much wisdom and words of encouragement to offer you guys and so if you are in the midst in the thick of it and you're not up for hearing a success story I encourage you to skip over this episode and come back when you can okay you don't have to feel obligated to listen to it if you can't and I thank you again friends and we'll be right back with our friend Ashley friends so we're back with Ashley Hardy thank you again so much dear for giving me some time out of your busy busy schedule um I just thought it was I just had to get you on after I read your story and you emailed me and I definitely love to give space for those who want to give space so I appreciate you so much love Thank you so much for having me. I mean, it's an honor to um, to be on your podcast and to be able to tell my story um, and share with everyone. 
So icebreaker question, who are you now that you've gone through all these years and eight years um, with fibroid issues and having surgeries and all and all and everything else that they'll learn about in a minute. But who who would you say you are now compared to before? You know, I I always say this. Me and my husband always have these conversations. And for me, I feel like infertility deconstructed everything that I felt like I knew about myself. Um my beliefs, my, it tested my faith, um, my strength, just, just everything. And so I feel like now that I've gone through uh, my journey, my first journey uh, with infertility and surgeries and all of those sorts of things, um, I feel like I'm just, I'm a new woman and I, and I found purpose through going through that. I I strongly believe that, um, you know, fertility is not just about babies, but it's about you you as a whole woman. And I feel like I finally understand now who I am as a whole woman, as a whole individual, who Ashley is and what my purpose is. Um, and I strongly believe that it is to encourage, um, inspire, and to help women heal after not only going through infertility, but just the many trials and tribulations that, that life may throw your way. Mm, thank you for that. And, you know, it takes a lot to even to even walk this 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 path to mm-hmm. motherhood and parenthood and fighting for you know the right to have a family you know absolutely and um so it it, it never ceases to amaze me when you guys come onto the podcast and share and um, do so with such such power and uh such wisdom so appreciate you and i know everyone else will appreciate appreciate you as well so how did you and hubby meet we actually met on Tinder. <laughs> so <laughs> you're my second Tinder guest. Yes. Am I really? Yes. 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 <laughs> so funny story. My friend was like, you know, I had just gotten out of a long relationship, not just, but maybe a couple months. And my friend said, Ashley, why don't you just get on Tinder? You know, just meet people, hang out. You know, it's, you don't have, it, ha- it doesn't have to be anything serious. I'm like, all right, I'll give it a try. I've never done online dating at all. So I get on Tinder and I'm like, this is so weird. (laughs) It just wasn't my Mm -hmm. speed. Like, I'm just Mm -hmm. very like, you know, all my boyfriends have been friends or people that I went to school with. Like, I never really met anybody just out of the blue, right? And just started dating them. And so I get on and the first day that I'm on, I meet Derek, my husband. And and so we talk on there for maybe like a day. And then I'm just like, you know, this is kind of weird. Here's my phone number. If you want to call me, you can call me, but I'm going to delete that. He called me and then the rest is history. That is so freaking cute. I love it. And I like what you said there. Like it was different, a different way of dating for you because mm-hmm. you were used to dating people that you were already comfortable with. And right. um, I, I, yeah, I just wanted to acknowledge that because I think some people see it as being a bad thing. And I think it just all goes into your intention behind what it mm-hmm. is that you're using it for, you know, that makes the difference. Yeah. Just like with anything yeah. else. So that's great. I love the story. Love it. And so, you oh my God. And I actually, yeah. and I actually said to him, you know, when you, when you speak about intention, I said, listen, this was our second date, right? I said, um, listen, I'm dating for marriage. If this is not something that you want, and I'm not necessarily saying that it has to be with me, but if marriage is not something that you foresee in your future in the next, let's say 
three to five years, then, you know, we can, we can be friends, you know, we can go our separate ways. But I, I put it out there and I'm like, this man probably thinks that I am crazy, <laughs> but he actually, but he actually appreciated <laughs> the honesty because he, you know, he said a lot of women just don't just kind of go with the flow sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm glad that you kind of set your boundary in and made your intentions known. So it kind of, it helped him to, to navigate, you know, a little better. So. Yeah. 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 We got it. Yeah. Ladies. If you're single and trying, yeah, just be intentional. Let them know what you want. Yes. What you, what you want and, and letting them know and be honest about it because yeah. that's how we end up in situations that are not good for us. And I'm not shaming Absolutely. anyone who's been in bad situations because of bad mm-hmm. choices. Sometimes mm-hmm. it just happens, you know, but yeah, yes. we definitely have We've to be We've all honest. been there. We've yeah, all been there. For sure. And I was just like, you know what? I'm not going down that road again. I'm going to just be honest about what I want and what I need. And, and I was and it worked out. Yeah. Wonderful. So here we are. 30 days are. of marital bliss. Yes. You guys, get married, walk the aisle, make the commitment. Yes. And then uh, pretty much pretty uh, intense. Goes from zero to Very. 100 really quickly, yes. right? Really quickly. So um, 30 days after we get married. And you know what? I thought, I thought that something was wrong because prior to um, that entire summer, I kept getting my, my uh, period every... Sometimes it would be every seven days. Sometimes mm. it would be like every 14 days. And I'm just like, something is wrong. Mm. And the day we left for our, our honeymoon, I was so just exhausted. And like, I, if I, I felt like I was going to pass out the entire time we were sitting in the airport. My husband had to go get me like a spinach salad. And it, you know, I felt a little better. Um, and then we come back 30 days after. Um, and I'm in the shower. And I had the most intense just like gut-wrenching pain I've ever felt. And I just immediately felt sick. And um, so I, I called for my husband and he came and he helped me to the bed. I couldn't even lay down, Monique. Like it was mm. horrible pain. Um, and so I'm like, you have to take me to the hospital. So we mm-hmm. go to the hospital and they tell me that both of my tubes are swollen. Um, they called it hydrosal pinks. Mm-hmm. So both of my tubes are sold with hydrosal pinks, which basically means that um, there was some sort of scar tissue blocking the end of the tube. And so fluid couldn't flow freely through the tube. Um, and so they both filled up with fluid. And, you know, I'm I'm sitting there like, OK, so what does this mean? You know, there has to be some sort of remedy or, you know intervention that can help this and they're just like yeah you'll probably never have kids and I'm just like whoa how did we go from you know it's just hydrosalpings how do we mm-hmm, go from that mm-hmm. to you know you'll never have kids and the ER doctor of course didn't explain much to me so I you know we go home thinking the worst and I mean it just it just spiraled from there like it just got worse and worse and worse and worse and it just felt like we were laying under a bed of brick and there was just no sunshine in sight. Mm-hmm. And so one of my tubes actually went down. So I went to my OBGYN um, and we found out that one of my tubes went down. So they did an HSG. And um, after the HSG, they said that, okay, one tube was open, the other was closed. So because of that, insurance wouldn't allow us to go, you know, right to IVF. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in our hearts and our guts, we kind of feel like I, I felt like I'm like this, this other Something, tube isn't yeah. good either, you know? Yeah. Um, But I said, okay, you know, insurance will pay for what, what it'll pay for. So we did um, 
We did timed intercourse. We did IUIs. I want to say we did about three or four IUIs. And we went back to the specialist and she basically said, we'll have to remove both of your tubes. Now at that point, um, I don't know, like something in me just kind of felt like I'm not, I'm not ready to give up both of my tubes because that truly means that I'm infertile. And I don't know that I was ready to accept that. Um, and so my husband and I decided we'll get the one tube that's completely blocked. We'll get that one removed. And since the other one was still open, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll try with that one. Um, we ended up going to, um, getting the tube removed, doing IVF. We did a couple cycles of IVF. Um, one, one cycle we had to get canceled. The next cycle they were able to do a retrieval and they did a transfer, but I overstimulated, which, so they never should have done that transfer. But of course you don't know what you don't know. What you don't know. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. So, um, during that retrieval, Afterward, I felt like something was wrong and my other tube ended up getting messed up during that retrieval as well. So I had to have another surgery to have that tube removed. And then in the process, I found out that I now have fibroids again after having um, a myomectomy in 2012 to have a large fibroid removed. They were small, so it wasn't it wasn't going to impede any treatment or anything like that. But of course, it's like another thing, you know, like, yeah. come on, yeah. you know. And so I ended up having my, my other tube removed. And after that, I said, you know what, I just need a little break to just mentally gather myself because it had been so much going on. I mean, we were newly married. We, um, we moved into a new house. We've, you know, I was finishing up grad school. It was just so much going on. And I'm like, okay, we need a timeout. Like we need to just focus on us. And so during that time period, we got a phone call from, um, my aunt, my my stepfather's sister, asking us if we wanted to take in her six-week-old granddaughter. Now, I am, um, I'm a clinician, I'm a, so, I'm a social worker, okay. and I work in a children's hospital, and I, I work a lot with the foster care system and human services, and I'm just, in, I'm in that world, I'm enmeshed in that world, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and my gut reaction was to say no, mm. because... I felt like I was, I felt like I knew the inner workings and because everything had gone so poorly with fertility, mm -hmm. I just knew in my heart it was going to go poorly with, you know, with the situations. And so I said no initially. And then I thought it over and I'm like, okay, well, I can't just make that decision alone. You know, I'm in a marriage. We need to make that decision yeah. together. Yeah. So I brought it to my husband and surprisingly he said, okay, let's talk about it more. And I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, I, I just knew you were going to say no. I never, I never thought that he was going to say okay to that. And so go hubby. Thank you. Go hubby. Hello. Right. <laughs> and so, and so we had a conversation with my aunt and she said, you know, no, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a straight adoption. Unfortunately, you know, my, uh, my foster daughter's parents are, um, you know, they were on drugs and things of that nature. And so she said, you know, it's a straight adoption. You don't have to worry about anything. Everything will be all sorted out. And so we ended up saying yes. And so we got her from the NICU at six weeks. A week to two weeks after bringing, a, bringing her in our home, we found out that it was now becoming a reunification case. So mm -hmm. we have been involved in just this back and forth. Um situation for it'll be two years in July 
and um, that has been dif very difficult. So we've had these two very <laughs> difficult situations going on at the same time, and it just kind of felt like, okay, you know, there has to be a purpose in all of this, right? There has mm -hmm. to be um, something that we're supposed to get out of this. Um, and so we ended up taking her in. There was just a lot going on um, at the right at the time that we took her in. We ended up doing a cycle that completely failed. Um, so we took a we took a breather. And then we did another cycle, which resulted in us getting seven embryos, seven really good embryos. And then we did a transfer in January of 2020, and that was successful. And so that resulted in our daughter. Um, Kennedy, who was born on September 15th. So, you know, it's just been such a wild, just roller coaster of emotions, of joy, of pain, of turmoil. But when I look at the overarching story, when I look at our, when I look back on everything that we've been through, I can for sure say that I don't know that I would have changed anything because had I, had we gotten pregnant prior to um, getting our foster daughter or being asked to take our foster daughter, I don't think we would have, we would have been as open. I don't think we would have done it. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine life without her, you know, like I just can't right. imagine what our home would look like, what it would have feel like I mean she brings so much light and so much joy to our home and I just can't imagine if she wasn't here like it's like what what is that what what does that even mean you know um and so when I look over everything I can yes it is um painful yes there's trauma attached to it but there's also um, a major blessing attached to it and not only in her not only in Kennedy um but also you know when I look at myself and how I've transformed transformed and how I've helped other women um because of it and so you know like before I'm like you know I just hate it I hate it mm -hmm, now mm -hmm. I'm like you know what thank you God I understand yeah you know you know let, look can we backtrack for a minute for yeah, with backtrack. the story about your distant relative who needed you um, because mm -hmm. of their own situation and mm -hmm. the baby and the baby being born addicted to drugs and stuff like that. Yep. So can we backtrack? Mm -hmm. So yeah. you've had your fibroid surgeries. You've had your, in how'd 2012. you sound? In 2012. And mm -hmm. then you've gone through the process of getting your surgeries completed for the hydrosalpings and the removal mm -hmm. of your tubes. Mm -hmm. And so how mm -hmm. long was it after that took place that you got the call about your relative? You know what? I don't even think it was a full two months. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I got my tubes removed in April. I feel like she might have called us early June. And I know and it was right before we went on a cruise. And so we said, all right, we're not going to make a decision. We'll go on this cruise. We'll pray on it. You know, we'll talk about it. And then we'll make our decision when we get back. One day my husband woke up and he was just like, you know, let's go get our baby. And I'm like, all right. We'll, we'll go get our baby. We'll get off this boat and we'll go get our baby. And she wasn't supposed to come to us until they said a couple months. So she wasn't supposed to come to us until maybe like September. And we actually had our home study done on mm -hmm. a Wednesday. Okay. They came and they checked everything, made sure we had, you know, the rooms were clean. We had somewhere for her to sleep, all those sorts of things. And um, we got a call on that Thursday night, like 
yeah, she's being discharged. We need her to come to your house tomorrow. And we were like, what? Right. <laughs> Monique, so when I say we didn't have any clothes, we didn't have a car seat, we didn't have a crib, we didn't have a bed, we didn't have anything. We called up our family. We're like, listen, the baby is coming tomorrow. We have to go to the hospital, do a course, mm-hmm. um, you know, all these things. And she's coming tomorrow night. So wow. when I say like my family, everybody went out, got stuff. We went around at everybody's house, picked stuff up. Our truck was full to the brim. And I have a, I think I actually still have the picture. I mean, our living room was just littered with baby stuff. It just happened so quick. It happened in a day, in a day. Well, and it was just like, wow. How it must have felt for you to be able to even shop so quickly you know what i mean absolutely and have the resources absolutely. and the tools and the financial status to be able to do so so quickly and to absolutely. be able to rescue and keep the baby in the family you know oh absolutely. my gosh wow wow absolutely wow. absolutely and so so what happened when you guys brought her home and i mean not necessarily bring her home but like when you get to the hospital you meet her for the first time how did you feel how did you and hubby feel it felt it felt divine almost it felt, it was like an out-of-body experience because, you know, a child was all we wanted, right? And we're walking into this room and we see her and, like, I immediately just start crying. I'm like, that's our baby, you know? Like, this is our, this is our child. And we never would have imagined it happening that way. We didn't really know how it was going to happen, but... It was just a surreal moment. It was a surreal moment. It was it was beautiful to see my husband hold her and look in her eyes and, you know, just say, I'm always going to protect you and I love you already. And it was just, it was divine. It was. It was divine. Wow. Um, yeah, that moment, that moment was awesome. Wow. It was awesome. It was awesome. So then you guys ended up pregnant from one of your IVF cycles. And it's another girl, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And she was born just this past September. Yep. So she was born this past September. Not even six months old yet. And so. Nope. Let me tell me, tell us how you feel. I, I, you know, a lot of people get triggered by this particular type of talk, but mm-hmm. there may be someone that's not there, uh, maybe a friend listening that is uh, inspired by the bliss of beginning stages of motherhood and just finally having everything that you've been working so hard towards and financially working towards. And so mm-hmm. now you guys have these two beautiful daughters. And so, yeah. So just tell me how it felt being pregnant. Were you experiencing anxieties? Were you fearful? What was going on? Yeah. Um. You know what? It felt, I felt a lot of things, mm-hmm. honestly. And a lot of them were contradictory. Um, of course I felt joy. But then I also felt like a sheer terror that something could go wrong in the blink of an eye. And that didn't let up until I saw her face. You know, I thought that it would, at 28 weeks, I actually started having contractions. And of course, I'm thinking the worst, like, oh my, oh, you know, oh my goodness, what, what is going to happen? Like, is my, is my baby going to be okay? Am I going to be okay? You know, we've made it this far, like, you know, God, just please let's, let's, let us get through it. Um, and luckily I was able to, you know, they kept me in the hospital. I was able to take some medicine and the contraction stopped. And so they sent me home and I ended up making it to 38 weeks before I had a C-section, a, a scheduled C-section. But I felt a lot of 
um, I felt a lot of anxiety during my pregnancy and I had to be very intentional about, um, meditating and just trying to remain positive, um, you know, and just, just thinking about the best that could happen because as soon as I let my mind wander, I kind of just spiraled out of control. And so I would say, I would say I felt joy. I felt happiness. I felt um, very grateful to have made it to the pregnancy stage, but I also felt like we weren't done yet. You know, I also felt like I, I need to see her face to make sure it's real. And honestly, some days I look at her and I still have to pinch myself because I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, mm-hmm. you know, it finally happened for us. It finally happened for us. And, you know, I, I say this to my husband all the time and I'm like, you know, sometimes I feel a level of um, guilt sometimes for the for the women that it hasn't happened for yet. I feel sadness and I feel guilt for them because I know exactly how it feels. Mm-hmm. Um, to be to be there, yeah. You know, yeah. I've had some of the same exactly feelings too. Feels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And so, tell me about this Facebook group, girl. Uh, came about. I know it's from infertility, but was there any other motivation behind it? So, um, so I'm actually, um, I'm actually a part time therapist too. So I'm working on my my clinical license now, um, but I am a licensed social worker. Wonderful. And um. So, I, you know, I've, I've always thought about how how can I mesh these two worlds, my, you know, my clinical world and then also my personal life going through infertility and all of the um, experience that I have with that. Right. And so while I was on maternity leave, I'm like, I have to do something, you know, I have to do something to help other women um, heal, navigate, you know, just just cope through through this journey. And so I started, um, I started a support group called Sacred Womb Fertility Support Group. Um, and we've been meeting since early November. I've had two sessions so far. Um, well, we meet, when I say sessions, there's, I did them in two eight-week sessions. Um, and it's a closed group. So um, women come for those eight weeks. Mm-hmm. We create a rapport with one another, trust with one another. Um, we have meditation. I have someone come on and do meditation. Um, we have, um, sometimes we have fertility doctors come and speak. Um, and then other times we just, I just facilitate conversations and, you know, women participate, they tell their stories or they don't, but, you know, you can come and listen or you can, you know, come and speak your mind. You can ask questions. And we've had really, um, we've done a lot of healing work. We've done a lot of healing work in the support group, and um, I'm just so proud and grateful to have that space um, for women to come to, but to also um, also be able to meet other women that are in this world and learn about their story and love on them, and them love on me, and it's just um, it's just a really great space. It sounds amazing, and I, and you can never have too many platforms because one may not resonate with the other. You know, you go on one, yep, you don't like yep. the group, you don't like the vibe, and you move to something right. else. So yeah, for sure, you yeah, guys make sure you check out that group. It's private, it's intimate, 
and it, it'll probably do a lot better than sometimes how the communities on Instagram that are more public, mm-hmm. you know, and having that more intimate feeling and stuff. And so, yeah. Ashley, what would you say to a friend beginning on their path, or you know what, better yet, because most of our listeners, uh, listener friends, are probably right in the thick of it and have been for a while. So, mm-hmm. what would you say to to someone who's been on the journey for a while now and just barely hanging on by a thread, especially with all this COVID out here. It's not helping. Oh my goodness, COVID is ugh. a nightmare. Oh, girl, don't even get me started. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I guess I have two two pieces of advice. One is what I would have told myself very early on um, is go to therapy because you know as much as you uh, as much as you may not to talk to other people or you know just kind of tell your story again you know what I mean as long as much as you may have those feelings and I know that's kind of not that's kind of how I felt um I don't want to speak for anybody else that's how I felt when I finally decided to go to therapy it not only helped my marriage but it also it also just helped me have a better perspective when when going I'm a I'm an extreme worrier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I have really bad anxiety, but I'm also someone who is open to looking at things differently. And if I find that that way works for me, like it makes me feel a little better, I'm all in. Um, and so that's kind of what therapy did for me. It helped me to look at things differently. You know, what's reality and what is, what is, you know, your perception or what's made up. Um, you know, that really helped. And then the next piece of advice would be to find something that just sparks joy in you. You know, we we go through so much with infertility on a day-to-day basis. There's so much of, you know, you have to live a regimented life. You have to be on this schedule. You have to be on that schedule. You can't eat this. You can't eat that. Eat this. Eat that. You know, and so it's so much that you just, that's so regimented and that's, frankly, it's just not fun. That, you know, just finding something that brings you joy. For me, when I was going through infertility, it was uh, cookies and cream ice cream. <laughs> yes, the best. Cookies and cream, the I best. love it. Yes. <laughs> and a lot of people laugh when I tell them that. They laugh and they're like, food. I'm like, yes, food brings me joy, especially ice cream. You know, I could sit in the house all day. If I had some ice cream, oh, okay, we're good. Yes, I feel you. Especially um, the gelato brand. Mm. Mm, I'm sorry, you guys, if you're on a weight <laughs> loss journey, but it's so I'm good. Supposed treat to yourself. Be on a weight loss journey. Yes, treat yourself. <laughs> yes, treat yourself. We're going treat through yourself. too much to just be out here restricting ourselves to life's sweet reliefs and pleasures. Do one yes. once a week or something for yourself. Or a glass yes. of wine or something. Yes. Not, it never hurts. It ain't gonna hurt. Everything in my face. Exactly. <laughs> yes. You know what? And when I started to kind of let up, like with the restrictions and all mm-hmm. of that type of stuff, things just got a little bit easier for me. You know, like yeah. all right. You know, we're just we're just gonna do it and we'll see what happens. Yeah, you know, because we put so much pressure on ourselves in our regular lives outside of fertility. Absolutely. And then when you add fertility into it, it just becomes this whole big thing and everything just yeah. feels extra heavy. So yeah, I love yeah. the, the advice that you just gave us and the wisdom you just gave us from a professional and a personal um, pers- perspective. And um, yeah, so how can how can we connect with you um, other than the group? 
Yes, so you can visit me at my website, AshleyLHardy.com. That's Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y-L, Hardy, H-A-R-D-Y.com. Um, I have a blog that I just started. Um, I offer um, therapy sessions, coping, uh, coping sessions, um, and then women can also sign up for the Sacred Women Fertility Group. On social media, Instagram and Twitter, I am Ashley underscore Liat. That's L-I-A-T. Um, so visit me uh, on the website, like, friend me, do all those things. Um, let's connect. Yes, thank you so much, Ashley Beard. Guys, connect with her. You can't miss her. She's gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous out here in the streets. Thank you. Looking amazing. And um, Thank you so much. So you I appreciate too. you for giving me some of your time. I know the babies is waiting on you. And uh, yeah, we're going we gonna to keep the thing going, you guys. I hope that you are staying safe, friend, if you're listening. I hope that you are staying COVID free and that you are well. And uh, thank you for tuning in to another In Me Fertility In Me podcast episode. Peace and blessings. If you enjoyed today's episode, friend, take a screenshot and let me know on Instagram and tag Infertility In Me podcast. You can also reach me at infertilityandmepodcast.com with your questions, comments, and feedback.